At this time, uh, let us turn to Hosea chapter 6. We'll be reading from verse 1 through verse 3. So Hosea chapter 6 from verse 1 through 3. Let us read together. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down that he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Is going out and sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So once again, New Hope, Happy New Year. May God bless you. May God guide you uh, throughout the entire year, 2019. And we as a church, we are declaring this year for all of our individuals and our families to return to the Lord. And I hope and pray that all of us will be able to experience what it means for us to be returning uh, before the Lord. So dear congregation members, we have to recognize that the restoration of our spiritual walk uh, takes place uh, as we restore foundation. Uh, some people think that spiritual life and the purpose of uh, believing God is to somehow improve our lives, uh, improve our living condition, uh, improving our finance, or improving our career, somehow that God will bless us so that we will go somewhere in our lives. So some of us, we think that we are upgrading our lives through faith in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. But in reality is that as much as we upgrade things in our lives, and even though we improve things in our lives, it doesn't guarantee happiness. So think about a lot of families. Uh, probably many of you are living in better condition than 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You're living in better house, uh, driving better car, or every year you're able to afford great family vacation. But just because you are living in a better condition, it doesn't guarantee that your marriage is healthy or somehow you are enjoying happiness through your marriage. Even children too. And as our lives get improved, uh, we provide better things for our children. But as much as we provide better things for our children, oftentimes we see them not being thankful for taking things for granted or getting spoiled. Even for our students, um, we think that, you know what, as long as I graduate from good school, as long as I have a good job, somehow my lives will turn out to be better so that I can serve God better. But please, after, uh, after service, you know, talk to, you know, some of the older brothers and sisters, 10 years older or 20 years older than you. I remember many of your older brothers and sisters, they are so desperate before the Lord, praying for job, praying for opportunity, and yet as God blessed them through abundance, oftentimes their relationship with God grow cold 
the passion and desire, the wanting to serve for the purpose of God being compromised oftentimes. So my point is that even though we try to improve our lives, even though we try to upgrade things in our lives, doesn't guarantee the restoration of our relationship, the restoration of our relationship, it is only when we return to its foundation. When married couples fall in love and cultivate their loving relationship with one another. When parents and children communicate and have a trust-based relationship, loving and caring for one another. Even though that we are lacking in so many ways, and yet somehow we still have commitment to worship God and to trust in Him alone in our lives. You see, that's what will bring the restoration of our relationship with God, but also relationship with one another. And I repeat this again and again, because God pours out His love and His grace faithfully, Constantly, without ceasing. Even today, right now, that God is pouring out His grace upon your family. But why is it that many of us, we feel so dry, we feel so empty? It's not because God has a problem and God is withholding His grace. He is constantly pouring out His grace onto your life, grace after grace, but because something in your life foundationally being collapsed. It's been compromised. It's blocking you from experiencing God's grace and God's love today. So what does it mean for us to return to the Lord? And how do we return to the Lord? And what happens when we return to the Lord? And that's what we will be sharing uh, today. And I'll be sharing in three parts. The first part, in order for us to return, we need to recognize that we've been far off or we've been disconnected to the Lord. Or there are certain things that, that we've been sinning against God. Without recognizing, we will not be able to take U-turn and return to the Lord. Nowadays, you know, for our generation, you know, we have GPS, so when you go to a new place, you know, you have Google Map or Apple Map. Even in your car, you know, GPS is a built-in for many cases. So when we go to a new place, you know, we don't struggle. We just need to punch in the number and the address. And I know that I'm part of the maybe previous generation, you know, because 20 years ago, we didn't have GPS. So whenever we do visitation or we go to a friend's house, we have to have address and then somehow we need to look at the map. Or somehow we need to get instruction or direction. You know, when you see gas station, turn right. And after three blocks, you need to turn left and all these things. And oftentimes, because we're going certain place for, for the first time, uh, we get lost. And usually it's man or husband, pretty stubborn. Because if you get lost, you know, all you need to do is just stop the car Going to gas station, just ask, am I going to the right direction? I remember even Helen and I, we used to have, you know, argument because Helen would say, you know, just, why don't you just stop and just ask someone? And yet, part of me, you know, being stubborn, you know, being prideful, don't worry, I know where I'm going. 
And as much as I am hardened and stubborn in my heart, I, I go further and further and further. And later, finally, I have to recognize, okay, I am way off. And I go to gas station and ask, you know, sir, sorry, you've been driving through opposite direction. And as much as I've been so hardened and being stubborn, I have to realize that that much more I am far off. And I have to take so much time and energy and gas, turn back and go back to the right direction. Maybe for many of you think that, you know, okay, I cannot relate to that. So, you know, now we have GPS. But even after GPS, you know, GPS is reminding you, recalculating recalculating and yet somehow even though we are hearing this instruction and guideline some of us we think that we know where we are going we know better than gps and there are times it is true but it is not the same it is not the case with the word of the lord that god is continuously speaking his truth and reminding us that you are on wrong direction you're on the wrong path and that is the spirit of the minor prophet. The minor prophets are repeating, saying, return to the Lord, that you are worshiping other idols. You need to turn back, that you are disobeying the word of the Lord and constantly reminding us and constantly reminding us, and yet many of us, we think that we know where we are going. Our hearts are being hardened. We think we know better than the word of the Lord. Why is it? Why is it that we don't recognize that we are far off from the word of the Lord and the word of the truth? It is because our society, this world, is going all same direction. So as we see that, okay, the word of the Lord is saying, but everyone is going that direction. And they seem they are doing fine. They are being prosperous. They are succeeding in life. They're improving. They're upgrading their lifestyle. So even though the word of the Lord is saying, recalculating, recalculating, we are so tempted and we're falling in this trap with heart and heart, with a stubbornness and trusting the things of the world and that we're continually heading towards the wrong direction in our lives. And that's what happened even in Book of Hosea. You know the prophet Hosea married prostitute woman, Gomer. What in the world, you know, prophet marrying a prostitute? Can you imagine? I'm so thankful because I'm married. But if we have a single male pastor in our congregation, and one day God is saying, you know, marry this woman who had a past, who used to be prostitute. So our pastor is bringing this woman to be, you know, pastor's wife. Hello, everyone. You know, this is my wife. And yet you realize that she had a past. But why did God speak Hosea to bring this person? Because God wanted to show the Israelites that Israelites were committing spiritual adultery. Even though they don't deserve the love of God, God saved the Israelites, rescued them, and leading them into the promised land and providing everything and yet, this adulterous spiritual bride, Israelites, have been compromising, betraying, forgetting the love of God. So God wanted Hosea to experience what God was experiencing. So in chapter 1, verse 2 says, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom 
and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. It is very explicit. And yet, that is the heart of God. God is revealing what he was experiencing. And yet, Hosea brought Gomer to be his wife and provided everything. Provided wine. Provided the clothes. Provided bread and oil. And yet, this Gomer, as she was receiving all these great things from her husband, she would take those things and then give to other men. And she will have an affair. So we know the story. Gomer had the first child. It was not Hosea's. Second child, it was not Hosea's. Third child, it was not Hosea. In chapter 2, verse 8, it says, she did, know, uh, she did not know, God, that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil who lavished on her silver and gold which they used for a bow. How ridiculous it is. And yet, brothers and sisters, that's what exactly you and I are doing. That God is saying, I gave you wine. I gave you oil. I gave you bread. I gave you health. I gave you family. I gave you children. I gave you career. I gave you a job. And then you are exactly surrendering all those things to the world. What have we forgotten? So we need to recognize our sins. Even though God was speaking the truth to Gomer, she did not recognize. She was being stubborn. I'm okay. I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the pleasures and things in the world. I'm being loved by the world. I'm being promoted by the world. I'm being prosperous having these children. We have to recognize that, that we've been taking control of our lives. Isn't it true? Been a part of the journey with the same congregation over 15 years. You know, I have blessing of, you know, seeing people growing, going through different seasons. In fact, some of you, you know, you're in my youth group, but you're married. Your children are being baptized and great things. I pray for students, you know, to study and get into university. And those of you graduated from university, praying desperately. And I pray for you too, that you will have a job, you will have a career, you will have great relationships. But as things are so secure, you know, what breaks my heart is that some of the people say, Pastor Jason, I don't need to pray anymore. I'm fine. My life is fine. Somehow we're in a place where we don't need God anymore. If that breaks my heart just a little bit like that, how much that we are breaking the heart of God, we have to recognize. 
It's like my children, you know, I pray for them, you know, provide things for them, and then somehow they graduate from school and come to me one day and say, Daddy, you know what, I don't need you anymore. And then Gomer was so stubborn. But we have to recognize where we are right now, our hearts, our families, our relationship with God. Otherwise, we will not be returning to the Lord. But as we recognize, number two, we need to also recognize what we need to return or what area needs to be returned before the Lord. And this repentance is not just emotional Temporary things, because if you read along even chapter 6, it was a prayer repentance from the Israelites, and yet God rebukes right back. You are just repenting right now for the sake of getting away from trouble. You know, sometimes we do that. Our children do that, right? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And parents ask, so what have you done wrong? I don't know, but I'm so sorry. We have to know. What we need to return. Where it needs to be returned. Because even though Israelites were saying, we need to return to the Lord, they didn't know. So I hope and pray that today, that we don't just feel bad and say, yeah, I guess we're supposed to return. But we have to recognize and we have to know exactly where we need to be returning to. And chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, My people are destroyed for lack for knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. What he's saying is that the knowledge is not theory alone, but knowledge of is knowing who God is in your heart, in your soul, and also your purpose and your call as a people of God, as a royal priest of people. And since you have forgotten the law of your God and also will forget your children, the more they increase, the more they sin against me, I will change their glory into shame. What God is saying is the Israelites, because you are abundant, because you are increased, you are sinning. I think it is so relevant to all of us. When our stomach is being filled, when we are no longer lacking in our lives, that's when God's glory turning into shame. When we feel so comfortable, even church and ministry as well, you know, when ministry is comfortable, we become prideful. Many of us, when we fail, we try to return to the Lord. But you know what makes it really hard? When you succeed in life, it is so hard for you to return. God spoke through prophet Hosea through when King Jeroboam II was the king. And did you know that when King Jeroboam II was the king, the Israelites was the most prosperous.
but they have lost holiness. Dear congregation members, what we need to return is we need to return to our foundational relationship with God. Foundational relationship, the covenant relationship. As I mentioned, even for married couples, even if you enjoy luxurious lifestyle, if your husband does not love you, if your wife does not love you, moving to a better house or bigger house will not bring you happiness, but you need to restore the foundational covenantal relationship. Even for our students, we need to return to our original calling. Why we are studying, we need to be reminded every single semester, every single day before we open up our textbook, why are we studying to begin with? Even for parents, we need to return because even today we'll be praying for our babies and that is our desire. It is genuine. Lord, these babies belong to you and yet somehow along the way as parents we try to take control. And we have fear, anxiety. As a parents, we need to return our children back to the Lord. Our divided heart needs to be restored. Our generation, we feel numb towards sin. We have lost the power of holiness. Through power of holiness, we experience the glory of God. And yet, many of us, we react against Holiness, oh, that's legalism. That's legalism. Yes, we as a church, the gospel fights against legalism because the legalism lost the heart of the gospel. But no one will say, you know, if your wife says, you know what, don't go out with the other wives. Don't date around. None of the husband was legalism. Well, we have to recognize that for Gomer, Hosea provided everything by grace. And yet, Gomer was not content. Gomer was not content. That's why she was having an affair. What was the reason? Why? Because Hosea was not enough? No. Hosea was more than enough, and yet Gomer's heart was divided. Just like God was more than enough, and yet Israelites were not content because Israelites have lost trust in God and saying, God, you are not enough for me. I need more than what you provide. Think about the prodigal son. Father had more than enough. And yet the prodigal son, somehow he thought, Father, you are not enough. I need to pursue more outside. But in the end, it's not more, but we need to return I hope and pray that our families, you you will be able to return to the Lord together as a family. What does it mean for us to return to the family?
We as a church, we're doing campaigning, you know, as much as it is so rudimentary, and yet I really believe that when the foundation is being built right, fathers, you need to return to your calling. When you were getting married, you had a heart. You know, I want to lead this family spiritually. And yet along the way, you've been busy. You lost the grip. You lost the path. And yet, and now, you need to really return to your call as a spiritual leader of the household. Families, we need to return so that we can bless one another. I have to, you know, confess you know, last week, as our family was having family worship, you know, up until then, you know, we'll always, like, you know, pray. Helen and I will pray for our children. We'll share the scripture. But thanks to our education department, they provided, you know, faith five, you know, five steps to have a worship. And there, there was a one thing that we haven't been doing. It was about family members blessing one another. So we took turn. I blessed them, but not only it ended there, but it was amazing. It was a breakthrough moment when my daughters start praying for me and blessing me. I mean, they will pray, but not like prayer blessing. But as they were praying, Lord, we entrust my, our father as a spiritual leader. Would you bless his ministry? Would you bless him so that he will be able to preach your truth? I had tears coming out. Oh, my goodness. So great. So grateful. And on the other hand, oh, my goodness. This is what we've been missing. As a parents, we bless our children, and yet we haven't been teaching them to bless us. You know, last Sunday, Pastor chang talked about, you know what, the pastors, we became functional. Somehow we do works, but you have to recognize that we are your brothers. As much as we bless you, you need to bless us. As much as we pray for you, you need to pray for us. We need to return our family and our lips. Maybe some of you, you've been in this destructive cycle and dynamic of your family. You've been blaming and complaining one another. Individually, you're great. Individually, you pray. And yet, whenever families get together, there's a weird dynamic of complaining and doing individual things so that even family dinner, you're just looking at smartphone. There is no conversation going, and maybe you need to reset that dynamic and return to what God has intended and designed for your family to enjoy. That's what it means for us to return. It's not like having revival service and come to church every single day. But one step at a time, little things that you need to be returning to the Lord. And tomorrow, people who are working, you need to return to your work and say, God, I return my career into your hands so I serve for you. Students, as you're going back to new semester tomorrow, return with a purpose. But last point, when we return before the Lord, there's a reason why God is 
revealing all these sins for us to recognize so that we will return so that God will raise us up. You know what? God is speaking to you today. If your heart's being convicted right now, or even like, you know what? I need to repent. I need to get back. You are blessed because God wants to raise you up. That is the heart of God. So what happened when we return to the Lord? In verse 1 and verse 2 says, For he has torn us that he may heal us. He may struck us down. He will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. So that we begin to live again. Being raised us up means being restored and being revived. So then how do we implement these things? As I mentioned, if your family wants to be raised up, start blessing one another. You build happiness not through having more, but you build happiness through a healthy perspective and making little changes in your life. So when your family gets gathered together, bless one another. I understand you will not be able to have worship every single day. But even your parents or students as you're going to dormitory, call your parents once a week. Bless them. Send out blessing word to text. Be thankful. And surround your people with people who are thankful before the Lord. Those little changes will help you to return to the Lord and your relationship will be raised up. How's your family dynamic? How's your study dynamic? Even for some of us, as we are getting older, As I mentioned, you know, I went through a season with our congregation members, youth group and college and finding the job and getting married. And some of them, as they were having little children, and they had to really devote, and which is a wonderful thing, you're called to take care of your children. But now, as we did survey, a lot of our, some of the older parents, now you're getting older so that your children are independent. You have time. You're getting older. But there's called positive aging and negative aging. People who are in negative aging, they are so bitter. I'm aging, I'm old, I lost everything. Now I cannot even do anything meaningful. The study shows that over 60% of people who always go into, you know, SNS and, you know, negative message, Website, circulating rumors, over 60% are either middle-aged or older people who are resentful. So they start grumbling. That's called negative aging. There's a sense of entitlement. But positive aging is that people who are aging and old, getting older and yet 
they are embracing their season and finding what God has called them in that season. And as they are focusing on the God's call as they're aging, they are being respected. They are being used by God to bless many people's lives. The younger people and their children, grandchildren, look up to them. Let me conclude today's message. Once again, it's not that we're lacking. God has poured out abundance. But because our hearts are being divided. So we need to return. Let us return our failure. Let us return our success. Let God soften your heart. Maybe today your heart's been more like a gomer, and yet you feel like you're doing fine. But God is speaking to you. The truth is that when we do not listen to God, just like a Gomer, she gets betrayed by another man that she was pursuing. Eventually, she gets sold as a slave. But God's love is unconditional love because God speaks to Hosea to go pay the price for the ransom, bring her back. And that's what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. That as we are pursuing like a Gomer, the world, we're being sold as a slave. But Christ has purchased with his life, his blood. Dear congregation members, do you feel like, I want to return, but I don't know how to? All you need to do is you just need to recognize, repent, and saying, God, I need you. I want to come back to you. Look at the prodigal son. All he had to do was just simply return and father will do damage control. Father will take care of everything else and he will pay the price. He will restore and raise the son even though he was in shame. And that's what Christ did. He will take care and he paid the price. You just need to return. And take one step at a time towards God. I believe the Holy Spirit is wooing, convicting your heart this year. Let's pray together.